Introducing Mortgage Matters. He has no idea how bad it is out there. He has no idea. A show dedicated to helping you navigate a challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. The economy continues to face numerous difficulties. Now, your hosts, Dan Podesto and Jason Brody of Central Coast Lending. The fact that you're being called upon to help clean up Wall Street's mess is an outrage. Broadcasting outrage. live from the KVEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? Talking it's about, time about. for Mortgage Matters. All right, everybody, good morning. Welcome to Mortgage Matters. Happy August. And I got to run and get down headphones. I've He's got good. headphones. He's, I'm good. I'm He's good. hearing. I'll get him some better ones here in a minute. Those are not very good. I'll get you better ones. Yeah, yeah. That way, you, that way you can hear me better. All right, let's go get down good headphones. I'll be right back. All right, take your time. All right. Well, well. My headphones are like an iPhone. You know, one minute's fully charged. The next minute, it's totally done. You know you got to unplug them or the battery dies, right? I do. Hmm. Every single day or every single show. Weird. Unplug them, tuck them back in their fancy little leather case. Where they die a slow Where death over die. the course Where of a they week. Continue to drain power without me knowing it. Mm-hmm. Saving the day right now. Awesome. Thanks, Jim. Well, folks, it is live radio. <laughs> and you know, I mean, Thanks. we were actually here early and prepared ish. Oh, I'm totally prepared. Just my headphones didn't wake up this morning. Notice yeah. you guys kind of enjoy what we might kind of call a green room out there a little bit. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. nice, right? You can see out the front of the it's building. A, it's a foyer. Yeah, but you yeah. can see out the front of the building. It's got great room. acoustics. There, yeah, maybe not, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you, I mean, yeah, it's a foyer, so the it's refreshments not, are a little, little lacking. Yeah. Okay. We'll work hey, on that. What's the difference between a foyer and a foyer? Uh, just, just the pronunciation. I think it depends on how much money you have. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah, this is going to be a cut-up show today, isn't it? Uh, it might be. Yeah, I'm feeling a little bit, um, you know. I, we got to work on this monitor here, Jason. Yeah. Got one monitor that kind of comes between Jason and I, and um, it's, yeah, I know, it's blocking us out. Anyway, other than that, it's pretty good. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it mean, I just have to move a little bit yeah, to see you. Exactly. <laughs> it's like we we'll just jive talk yeah, to each other. It was like my yeah, breakdance <laughs> thing. <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> that's pretty fun. Uh, I know a mortgage show could be so much fun. Did you guys watch the Olympics opening ceremonies? I didn't get to see it last night, Lawrence. Was watched, it good? I watched part of it. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I watched it. It was pretty good. Yeah, good. Yeah, it was good. Good. We have a couple of local Olympians there, too. Really? One Who's from there? Santa Maria doing uh, in swimming. I hope he beats Michael Phelps. Just because I'm I'm just, I, I love Michael Phelps, but I think it's like, you know, dude, how many times have you been there? You he know? marched in the USA team yeah. carrying the American flag. Yeah. Was voted like peer vote by the Olympians. Yeah. But there's like. I guess uh, he recovered from his two DUIs and his. Uh, yeah. Like drug infractions or whatever that was yeah and there's uh, there's a big interview about how he had hit rock bottom and then like he's back he looks funny to me i saw he's looked the same the whole time 
Maybe that's just what happens when you're raised on HGH or something. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, nothing against the guy, but it's just like, it's like, dude, maybe somebody else should win. Yeah, well, and is it right that it's his fifth swimmer. Olympics? Yeah, that's that's yeah. what they said. Was he in his first Olympics when he was six? I no, I think he's in his 30s now. In his he's mid- like 31 years old. Yeah. So like if they're he's... every four years, right? then it could have been 16 years, so he could have competed when he was 15? Something like that. Yeah, yeah there's been other 14, teenagers, 15. like Missy Franklin, I think, was uh-huh. a teenager. Okay. Uh-huh. Maybe so. I think I she know. was 15 or something. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, that seems like a lot of Olympics. Maybe he should let somebody else have a turn. That's, that's what I'm saying. That's just what I'm saying. Nothing really against the guy, but just let him have a turn. If you're the best, though. If I'm, you're the best. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't know. That's How many other about. people have webbed fingers and toes? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that dude does. Yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, good good week in the market. This is a good week, by the way, if you guys want to log in and like look at your stocks and your 401k, check all that stuff out. It's better than those weeks where you awesome. you don't want to log in. There was an article in the paper this morning that said folks who forget their 401k, who don't like look at it all the time, have outperformed um their their accounts have outperformed those who are constantly attending to it. When you say look at it like you mean, I mean like the, the, make adjustments to yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. The people sure. who don't who just kind of put the money away and just let the account do its thing, um, have performed better. Their accounts have performed better than the people who are trying to beat the markets and make adjustments and things like that. That's probably true with most investments. Yeah. Especially if it's a long-term investment. I remember during the, like the, the real estate cycle last time where it was like white hot, people said, well, it's a good thing there's not like a ticker on your front porch. <laughs> Just like when you come home, you're like, sweet, my house went up $10,000 today. <laughs> Would have uh, kept people on that. Uh, maybe even just uh, made people a little bit more willing to do cash out refis and get all nuts with it. Kind of seems that way right now too, though. When you look around at like how much real estate has gone up even just here in this county, mm-hmm. there is there is almost a ticker on your porch. I mean, that thing's going up, what, 5% a year, 7% a year. But if you get a good buy, and then after a couple of these most recent years here, you could find yourself with 10 or 20% equity. You can make $100,000 off a house in the last couple of years here. Some people feeling pretty confident about that right now. I got in a lot of conversations this week, by the way, about that, about this market being overheated and potentially like the a bubble bursting. So, of course, I was doing my best with all the, you know my argument well. I got a bunch of reasons why I think that's total nonsense right now. But there's a lot of people that don't seem to believe that. They just are under the mindset that this these values are crazy based on nothing and... um before too long that we're going to have the exact same problem we had before people lose interest in it and all of a sudden start fire selling homes for five ten percent less than their neighbor and the next you know back to a point where houses are worth a hundred thousand dollars less countywide yeah but who's going to fire sale homes that they have they've actually had to put down payments on and they've had to maybe the investors 
Did you know that? You remember that company? I think it's called Blackstone. But an investor had to put at least 25% down on a property. They wouldn't just fire sale it. Well, you might if it, if you thought it was the sort of crescendo of the market. And if you could get your 25% out plus your 5, 7, 10% profit and and move on. But I don't see where the desperation comes from the other homeowners that, you know, the, the home is their shelter that they can afford because well, they when the real estate market returns. turns, it's basically a riptide. You're gonna, I mean, by the time you identify what's going on, you're already losing money. So you've people sitting there trigger happy. You think there's those people around right now? No, just ready to jump. No, I don't. I think people for the most well, did part, you hear about that company Blackstone that like sure. bought up yeah, all no, of those rental properties? I remember. And right now they're having investors like pull out in a major way. In fact, I was reading this week that they're buying into the Canadian market right now just to try to get out of the U.S. market. My thought on that is great because there's a whole bunch of people who want to buy homes that can't find anything. So yeah, yeah if those guys sure. want to sell homes to people who actually want to live in them as their primary residence. That's great. Yeah. There's people who are ready to buy those homes. And I imagine they're not the high, you know, these are more affordable, lower end, entry level type housing. So I think that would be great. I'd love to see Blackstone sell. Yeah. Yeah, they bought up a lot of investment properties, even nationally, but a lot in California. My laptop, I don't always have my laptop out at home. My laptop's kind of a work computer. So when I'm sitting in the living room, I usually grab my wife's laptop, which means I'm logged into her Facebook. So then it's like, oh, let's see, let's see how the other half do this Facebook thing. Um, but seriously, I was like, the, you must look sometimes at, you know, the household Facebook account and you're going, sure. Oh, yours is very different than mine. Very entertaining. So yeah, I started scrolling through and see all this stuff. I saw some, um, there's like this thing in the North County. It's like moms of North County or mommies in North County or something like this. And there's like this woman who's, um, writing that her landlord was having her, um, move out. Effectively, they're doing something else with the house and said, hey, you know, you've been a great tenant, but it's time to go. So this mom is basically like, man, we're going to be homeless. Do you want to celebrate that, Jim? <laughs> yeah. Sorry. That was you missed the totally applause button and hit totally like the uh, opening ceremony. I'm not even sure, yeah, I'm not even sure why that happened. Jim likes homeless mothers here. Um, but no, seriously, yeah. they're basically expressing this concern that losing the rental that they were currently in not able to find a replacement house that it's like that cutthroat like af afraid of possibly being like homeless i mean and that's probably a pretty real concern right now it seems and that's, desperate. And that's why i don't believe this market is poised for any kind of free fall in value it right just it's not the same kind of market. I mean, I get that when things appreciate, whether it be stocks or housing or, or anything, when, when the value goes up quickly in a short period of time, you start to wonder, well, you know, is there a correction on the horizon? Um, I, I just don't see that right now in housing. I mean, I, 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 th I think markets plateau. I think you'll see... You know, maybe small declines, but I, you're not going to see the 50% fall in value that we saw 10 years ago. So, you know, San Luis Obispo has like, I mean, it's like the sixth most um, unaffordable 
county, right? I mean, it's, it's expensive to live here, and we know that. Uh, we have one of the lowest vacancy rates in housing around, an unhealthy low vacancy rate, which means that of the existing housing stock, um, we have the fewest amount of vacancies. So that's not good. I mean, uh, one of the one of the committees that I sit on, we had a meeting this week, and this is, of course, what we were talking about is housing, affordable housing, workforce housing, the need for new housing. And in the discussion, we were talking about how, um, you know, and this was mentioned a little bit last week, but the new home builds are at an annual pace nationally of like 560,000. That's like the, you know, last, basically for the last year, that's about what we've been doing. And it's estimated that you need to be building 2 million houses nationally a year to be keeping up with demand and, and, uh, you know, houses that are being cycled out of inventory, these kind of things. So we started saying, well, how about locally? Um, how many houses do you have to build locally to keep up with demand? And there's not a there's not a great answer to that question, but it it brought up this uh, you know as you start talking about the scarcity of available housing, um, wonder how do you level out that supply and demand side? So you know, slow basically has this like one percent growth motto, right? And that's one of the reasons that we always have some scarcity is that it's it's been. I think that came about in the '70s or something. You know, um, try to keep growth, a little bit of growth, but not too much. Don't let this place change. So then, when you do the math, there's like 300,000 people in slow, and an average of two and a half people per household. So one percent growth would be like. 30,000 people, right? And two and a half people per household. You need to build like 1,200 new homes a year in slow just to keep up with the 1%. But over this last decade, we've averaged something closer to 300. Wow. So it's been like a 0.2 to 0.3% growth. So it's really compounding the scarcity issue here, you know? And um, actually even got into a little sidebar about... Um, how Diablo closing might actually make that a little bit worse um, in terms of people, you know, is it, it's expected now there's some people that are talking about what will happen out there with those jobs over the next 10 years. They said the average age of employee right now is like, I, I forget if they said it was 44, I think, was the average age of a Diablo employee. And that over the next several years here, that average age will move to like 55, where people like the young people start go, okay, I got to figure out what to do for tomorrow because I'm not done. Yeah, there's not a future at Diablo. Yeah, whereas some of the older people that are like moving towards retirement anyway and could slot into that a little bit easier will um, sort of take those jobs and then hunker down into the housing community here as those you know, soon to be retirees, which will just lock down even more of the homes, which is an interesting thing to think about. Whereas like we had a call a few, maybe it was a month or two ago. Remember we had a call that just basically said, well, we'll talk about what you think is going to happen when those thousand homes hit the market and you, you know, going to destroy the housing economy of slow. And from right now, the, the vantage point is that the, it's probably not going to have much of an impact at all and maybe it will actually even exacerbate the problem hmm. so 
kind of a crazy thing. And then, so when you think about that, it's like San Luis, and this is probably why we always say it's so much more insulated than the other bedroom communities that are around and sort of attempt to create that opportunity to afford to live if you're willing to drive 20 or 30 minutes. Like right now, that those affordable places for you to go is like back to what it was in 05, you know, San Miguel or Oceano, buyer's choice. <laughs> you know, you got to commute into, into slow. And, you know, obviously that's not a good thing. But so then I asked that question directly of the group discussion. Like, so how many houses could you build before you even start to like, make a dent in that before it's just a flash in the pan. I mean, could you add a thousand homes this year? Um, it's a, obviously nobody knows for sure, but, um, that building obviously is, is such a critical part of it. And, um, so there's some home builder stuff that we could talk about. Um, Confidence among U.S. home builders declined in July off of a five-month high. So they keep a sentiment index of how home builders are feeling and, and kind of what they're – how they see the future and confidence of their industry. Um, they can obtain construction loans now, so that's back. You know, we talked about that for a real long time. In yeah. fact, consumers can. Yeah, you could do an owner builder. You could do a spec build. You could have a a custom home built for you. There's construction loans and one time closed loans. I mean, we're back to, I'd, I'd venture to say almost the the full spectrum of construction lending. Like we're somebody with no experience doing that can come in and get one of those types of loans if the numbers pencil and you've got enough you know, wealth to be able to make a down payment and qualify for the loan, you can get that, that loan. So for the first five years of mortgage matters, we just said, Hey, until the loans return, don't expect anything to ease on this front of supply and demand. We sold through all that inventory. It got to the point where, um, home values are now above, mostly above what it would cost you to build them. But home builders, you know, catching a little bit of flack, the average home, I know I shared this last week, but the average home size now is pushing 2,500 square feet in the, um, in the nation for a new home. That's not exactly entry-level housing. Um, multifamily homes, the kind of things like apartments and those that are intended to be rental by nature, those are averaging 1,000 square feet. So builders are really struggling with making the small units pencil out. So you can't really do these great infill development projects and make it make sense to build 12, 1500 square foot homes because a lot of the impact fees, permit fees, planning fees, all these fees are sort of like for your project and the way that you can get the most bang for your buck. Cause we pay when we buy a home, right? We basically pay price per square foot, right? You might vary a little bit from it, but so the builders, if they're going to get price per square foot, they want to build these behemoth homes, which just puts more and more pressure on that entry-level buyer. Yeah, There's... and a lot of that additional square footage is the lesser expensive bedroom or living area type of stuff, not the bathrooms. And you know, yeah. There's still only one kitchen in a home, usually. So we see a little bit about um, housing starts. April housing starts rose 6% month over month, which you'd kind of expect because April's about one of those months where 
I mean, around here, we forget that there's yeah. weather, but yeah. yeah. It thaws out. The you start, thaw. <laughs> start putting shovels in dirt um, again. But year over year declined 1.7%. So these builders now are basically saying, yeah, we got the money now. We can get the money. Um, it's hard to make a project pencil. Um, becoming difficult to find um, a good lot, a lot where you can build the kind of homes that make it you know, a, a profitable endeavor with relatively low risk. And then, of course, the other thing that is weighing on these guys is um, it's suggested right now that um, depending on the city or county, obviously, the fees range from fifty dollars to $100,000 per build. So you're going to go build a home. you got to budget in fifty dollars to $100,000, what it's going to cost you through just all of the fees and, and that administrative side of getting a home to that shovel-ready point. Not to mention, how complicated is it to work through that process now? I mean, the average citizen doesn't yeah. have a very good look at it, but there's a lot now that goes into it. You're going to have this committee and that review panel and meet these standards and go through redesign over here. There's a lot that goes on into the energy efficiency and all these different things about how you're going to build, let alone like whether or not the subjective person on the other side of the desk likes your density or your design style. Do they yeah. feel it fits good for the vision that they have in the community? But all of those different things, those sort of layers of, I almost want to say bureaucracy, but all of the, the those steps that you have to go yeah. through add a lot of time. Time and cost, and time is money, too. Well, yeah, if you want to build, like right now, if you want to build today, you got to feel like it's a pretty inviting environment to build a home to to basically sell. As soon as it's done, you're going to sell it. You're probably going to sell it during construction. But, hey, I want you to lay down a million dollars here, and you're going to be able to take this home to market in two to three years. Your confidence right there has to go way down. Well, what's the market going to be like in two to three years? You know, what if this Trump character gets elected or what if Hillary makes it? You know, what does that mean for what might be happening with the housing economy? What does it mean? Where will interest rates be? What what's the job market going to be like? What all of these unknowns and the farther you look out into the future, the less confident you're going to be completely. Mm -hmm. So with builders, with all of those not only added fees, but that added time and the complications to the process to get done. Um, that's what the builders are, are looking at right now, saying, man, this is an incredibly difficult place. And it's a bummer that we're, of course, from this reading here, that we're seeing a year-over-year -year decline in housing starts. Like I said before, if these numbers haven't soaked in yet, we're building currently at a pace of a half a million units a year where we need to be at 2 million. So we're building at about 25% of what we need, which means we're not even meeting our current needs, let alone trying to backfill eight years worth of that lost supply. And the proportions are the same locally. So yeah, it's just Yeah. It's it's incredibly challenging. And then of course, you know, they're like around here, so that was this conversation we we're having it's like around here what would you so so the biggest need for us if you really want to make a big impact here in slow about helping more workers be able to afford housing and be able to you know because it is it's a cited issue most employers here believe that your biggest constraints to recruiting uh, and retaining employees is the cost of housing mm -hmm. so if you really wanted to move the needle on that 
what would you do if you if you were El Presidente of Slow County and just said, you know what, we're going to rezone for tracks and we're going to say we're putting in, we're going to approve going back to those other metrics of the 1% growth. We're just going to agree with what we agreed upon 35 years ago and we're going to say that Slow County is going to grow at 1%. We're going to approve, we're going to rezone land and approve 1,200 new homes a year in Slow. Where would you put it? Where would it go? They have to go up. Because, I mean, you look around the county, everyone in the county, they value the open space. I mean, that's one of the things that that's most precious about this area is the open space, the green belts, the natural, um, the natural surroundings here on the Central Coast is what one of the biggest, if not the biggest, draw for people here. And so the only solution for accommodating more housing units is to build higher. And that's what you're seeing. I was actually having this conversation at home this week. It feels like the single family home on its own lot is going to be a rare commodity going forward. You know, all the new projects are multi are, are uh, mixed use, sure, commercial, retail type of thing on the bottom with residential on top, and you know, three plus stories. That seems like the norm in new building today. Yeah. And so, as that continues to become more and more the norm in building, because it's satis- you know, it helps with the cost. You can get more units on a smaller footprint and. It, it helps that cost metric. So builders well, slow's been make really money. wrestling with height requirements. I know, and that's another thing because then you've got view corridors and things like that to so worry about. Earlier this week, I pulled up to the stoplight there at um, Santa Rosa and Monterey. Okay, where the Shell station was. Yeah, and there's supposed and to be. And a, I'm sort of just looking over as where you yeah. kind of see the hills from behind the high school to down to Edna. You know, sort of see that little mountainscape. Mm-hmm. The brownstones are sticking up over there. Yeah. Whew. And then I like look down and I see a couple of other tall buildings. Those government buildings are pretty tall. So I look around and say, man, those brownstones from where I was sitting in my car took away the view of the hill. Crazy and for San Luis to allow that. Pretty weird. There's actually some proposals right now. They're working on trying to fix some of the zoning that would allow in the downtown corridor um, like a 75 foot height by right. Wow. Because right now it's a, it's a really, really arbitrary process. Yeah. Well, what's, I mean, the alternative, it, there's a need, right? There's growth. Right. So there's a need for housing. We've established that we've established what the number of housing units per year. The need is it's 1200. Wow. We're building 25% well, of that. If you want to stick at your 1%. Right. right. And so we're, we're only building at, a quarter of that need to maintain the 1% A lot of mandate. which is infill projects and so little... what's the alternative? You build out or you build up? I mean, personally, I would rather build up because I can just walk my little self somewhere else to view the sure. mountain. Sure. <laughs> right, right, but at right, the right. same time, you start increasing densities like that in slow. You already got this issue. I mean, we have a little bit of a rush hour problem out on 227. And 101. And 101, it's right there where you turn, you know, at Spyglass. There's well, even up by KSBY sometimes it backs up into there. Madonna and Los Osos Valley Road. I think yeah. Los Osos Valley Road kind of got like a, 
a good uh, <laughs> a bypass down there when they blew it out and made the bridge wider and fixed some of those turning lanes that were really problematic. Yeah. So that's a little bit better now, but it still mm. gets busy over there. I know we don't have to we don't have to deal with that on Saturday mornings anymore either. Yeah, which isn't the best. All right, uh, let's worst stop time, growing. But... Let's just stop growing. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. It's the only solution. Well, yeah, yeah, I I don't know what really the solution is. So then it started talking. Well, now you need to be able to encourage people to have more public transit. Workforce and be able housing, to use it more. Live where you work. Yeah. Right? More more mixed use stuff in town. Like you said, let's do some commercial on the bottom and then, you know, maybe like office professional on the middle and residential on the top. I got it. Yeah. Everyone needs the little shelf under their desk where they can just set a pillow. You know, like George Costanza oh, set yeah, the alarm okay. clock. I mean, then you don't even need yeah, more housing there units. Is. There it is. You yeah. can sleep literally where you work. Well, you know, it's funny, but San Luis already kind of has a, a weird thing because, like, way back when, when was the Anderson built? That That's pretty tall. It's, yeah. what, five, six stories? Yeah. I mean, the Fremont, the marquee on the Fremont's going to be higher than well, some of the thing. bike restrictions now. In that downtown district right. there, there is a 75-foot right. height. It's just kind of weird I want somehow to, it does. That's yeah. like the limit, but uh-huh. the reality is that it's very difficult to get to build to that height. Yeah. That oftentimes you might present a, a project, you know, that that goes to 75 feet, right. but then it gets um, knocked apart. Like one, we call it wedding caking, mm-hmm. where like each tier is forced into a smaller footprint where finally the ones that are... The top story that's reaching up or those top couple stories are so small, they're useless. Mm-hmm. They basically turned into an architectural feature like a marquee or a church bell type of thing that, that yeah, sure, we allowed you to reach that, but we didn't actually let you use it. Not in a useful way. Not in an efficient way. Yeah. Not in a way that adds value. And, you know, it's not to mention that with all of the new building requirements that we have now, just building codes, building new buildings that are that tall need to go taller to begin with. It's no longer like eight foot ceilings because with all the HVAC and insulation, all these things, you need to have like 10 to 12 feet in between stores. So stories. So now you're like, you have to build bigger buildings just to be able to do what you used to be able to do out of a three-story building. You used to be able to build a three-story building that was 28 feet tall. Today's three-story building needs to be 36 feet tall. So a lot... You know, a lot about this stuff is just complicated, and it's really difficult to solve. And whenever any one of the local agencies tries to do something that might actually help us, the vocal minority has that time to come out and really push and fight. This is why you see things like this height requirement and stuff get just catch a lot of flack. So it, it seems incredibly challenging, and I, I don't see where where the silver bullet is to fix any of this stuff. But it drives us all the way back to like where we started is that there's a scarcity around here in housing. And I don't see it changing anytime soon. We st- as long as the population grows, we're going to need And these rents are following it because yeah. the rentals are as scarce as the opportunities to buy something. Sure. And that is true. We've learned now in residential and commercial. <laughs> right. Hey, as we need to take a commercial break here to thank our sponsors. They help make the show possible. It's 937. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with more Mortgage Matters. 
Mortgage. This is Jason Grody with Central Coast Lending. Our loans are not trucked in from some big bank. They're raised right here on the Central Coast. No hormones, no GMOs, no antibiotics. Call today and get your gluten-free mortgage from a caring lender that knows you only accept the best for your family. Just call Central Coast Lending. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543 Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing opportunity real estate broker. California Bureau of Real Estate number 018-39608. NMLS number 328-358. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. Welcome back. You're listening to Mortgage Matters with hosts Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. If you want to join the conversation, call the show at 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, here's Dan and Jason. Goodness into the spirit. Oh, it does. I'm really curious to know what the, you know, the song when, when there's, you know how NBC it was a couple of years ago uh, it was some song by uh, one of the American Idol guys. I think it was just the last Olympics. I'm, uh, I'm about, going home. Yeah, that the song. One. That was the <laughs> the theme song. It felt like of the Olympics. What's this year's? What's this Olympics theme song gonna be? John Williams did this too. Did you realize that? The guys that gave it Star Wars and oh yeah, John John Williams sounded like it. Yeah, I kind of yeah. got that once you said it. Now that you Star say Wars that, and yeah. ET and uh, everything. Anyway, I had a question for you guys. That's yeah. cool. Let's hear it. Um, when you have sort of like an overriding entity like San Luis does with like the county being having a lot of buildings in your city, like the government center and other buildings they have. Does the county have to follow any sort of height restrictions if they don't want to be a good neighbor? <laughs> I would think that they have to follow city guidelines since the building is within city limits, but I'm sure they, they know people. Well, when uh-huh. you get in and start talking to the, yeah. the builders and developers that are wanting yeah. those 75-foot buildings with uh-huh. maximum efficiency yeah. and density... They're real quick to point out that those county government buildings got all the way to the limit and very well utilized the land. Like they, it was not. They got it pretty quickly, huh? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was just kind of curious about that. It's kind of like one of those situations, you know. Well, yeah, we understand. Yeah, but but we're overriding you. It's not like Cal it's Poly. Land. It's not like Cal Poly that basically is uh-huh. their own little like 
you know, they're like an island where they basically yeah. get to do whatever they want. Yeah. Um, almost like an Indian reservation plopped right here in the middle of slow. Yeah. Um, no, those buildings would still be required to comply with. They're just going to um, get picked apart less as they, you know, propose something that meets what it is that's the published requirement. Cool. All right. Well, just yeah. curious. There we go. Pretty wild. Mm-hmm. Um, there was another little, you know, while we're talking housing, there was a pending home sales read here too. Pending home sales shot up in April to a 10 year high, um, which was, yeah, I mean, the, the highest letter level since February of 06. Pending home sales, that's, that's homes that are under contract to be sold. And seeing that volume of homes um, pop up is, it just, it just shows too. I mean, so many of these houses that you see get listed doesn't take long. If you're even in the ballpark of priced well, it's going to be sold pretty darn quick. Um, just reminds us that and it, and it isn't just, it isn't just here in slow County. This seems to be the norm all around. Um, so it's disappointing to see that builders confidence has declined, that they're concerned about the cost, the regulations, available land. Um, now that their financing woes have kind of been solved, always going to be something though, huh? You wouldn't expect that it's just going to be smooth sailing for building homes. No. And I, I don't know that that's a bad thing. I wish there was a little less red tape and less cost. Some of the things seem a little overreaching. Well, it's going to have to come to, um, there's a few things that can be done to, to make building a little bit more affordable. There's a phone call. Where did he go? <laughs> Jim. Jim left and the phone's ringing. If that's you calling, just be patient, I guess, because I'm not sure how to do it. You want to try it? If this is a new phone. I'm not sure how to do that one. It's a new phone from like 1960. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It looks like, reminds me of the old phone from like the Situation Room when I was a kid, like seeing it because it's got a blinking red light yeah. on the top. Jim will be right back. Call her. Just please hang on. Leave, <laughs> leave a message and we'll, <laughs> <laughs> leave, leave a message and we'll call you back. Hey, the phones are working now, by the way. We're unable to answer this particular phone call that's come in, but if. Here he comes. Jim, there's a phone call. <laughs> we need you, Jim. We need. It's still blinking too. They're probably still there. Man, that person. No. Yeah. That's some perseverance. Yeah. Probably a really important comment. I probably said something wrong. We're about to get yelled at. Did you give out the phone number? I was going to. If you'd like to call in, the phones are working as we just proved. It's 543-8830. 543-8830. If you want to save your dime. You can call the 800 number, which is 800-549-5832. <laughs> what is it, Jim? Did you get one? I have one. Bob in Santa Maria. All right, let's Righto. put him on. Hey, Bob. Welcome. Good morning. How are you guys this morning? We're good. doing great. How about you? Good, good, good. The reason I'm calling is just sort of an interesting anecdote. It, it's jumped in my mind when you were talking about uh, where to build and then level, you know, multiple stories and densities and all this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And this is sort of a, a kind of a cute anecdote, which uh, I think you'll enjoy. Um, years ago, before San Jose, 
became known as Silicon Valley. You know, it was growing very rapidly. It hadn't still, still hadn't been dubbed Silicon Valley at that point. We're talking late 60s, early 70s. And um, everybody was very concerned about the rapid growth in San Jose. I happened to be their visiting family. And uh, they were interviewing people about how big should San Jose be? You know, what's the right size for San Jose? It was growing like, like mad. And so they were interviewing people on the street and asking them that question. And one woman gave the perfect answer. I never forgot it. All these years later, I still remember it. So the question to her is, how big should San Jose be? She thought for a moment, and then she said, it should be no bigger than it was the day I moved here. (laughs) Yeah. I I think a lot of people feel that way about the town they live in. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, I mean, but she said it so well, and she meant it. I mean, she... Yeah, she gave it some fun, and she meant it. She wasn't trying to be funny. Yeah. Um, that was what was so powerful about that message, and I think it's one we need to keep in mind when we're talking about densities and, and building tall buildings and all that kind of thing. Yeah, that's <laughs> funny. Thanks, Bob. <laughs> yeah, I thought you might enjoy it. When I was in middle school, I had a T-shirt that said, Surfing sucks, don't start. Yeah, right? (laughs) (laughs) uh, Nah, we don't need any more of you out here. There's not enough waves to go around for everyone. When I was in Cal Poly, we, um, you know, I was a city and regional planning major, so we studied this housing stuff all the time. And one of the things that was interesting that we talked about was that um, there's these this is so normal that you build a you build a neighborhood of homes. We're building one in Atascadero right now. It's actually like a habitat for humanity. Oh, it's the uh, people's self help housing. People's self help yeah. housing. Yeah, right over there. Building a bunch of road. houses in a row together. Yeah. So there'd be these blocks that would be acquired by like a land grant or a donation or something. Where that's what's going to go in here is it's going to be um, people's self help housing. And and really, if you're unfamiliar with that, it's where there's like sweat equity if you're gonna get to get one of these units you're gonna get to go bang some nails and make some sawdust and be a part of this home being built they're they're peer built by the people that are going to be involved in the project they build block of this and then before they break ground on the next block people would be protesting no the people that just got those homes built for them the people that were getting affordable housing at a discount rate no 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 don't build another block. Those aren't the kind of people we want in here. Hey, you're those people, and you just got here by this program. You can't already start protesting the neighborhood growing with those people. Crazy, man. I remember reading about that going, are you kidding me? That's funny. Nobody's going to listen to that. Hey, we've got another caller on the line from San Luis Obispo. Carol is calling. Good morning, Hi, I just love your program. Oh, thank you. Uh, so far, though, I haven't heard you talk about the drought or the water or the condition of our yards and our yeah. antique poinsettias and magnolias and yeah. jacarundas. I know that people are more important than plants, but you're young people, and if you stay in slow or where you live, you know what it's going to look like in 15 years? Is it going to be what you want? You know, I don't know the answer to that question, but I I, I love this water conversation because I got to say right away, California is not running out of water. We're not even close to running out of water. 
you know, we're suffering from we're running our politicians. Out of, we're running out of cheap water. <laughs> and yeah, there's been, you know, the different diversions or this need better than that need or whatever. Yeah, a dam. There's, Maybe a dam, a reservoir. There's been a lot of those things that have made this more complicated. But um, California, I think, is always going to have water. We're just running out of the cheap water. How expensive yeah, is the water going yeah, to but, be? Uh, let's forget the water now. Uh <laughs> And this is going to sound very crude, uh, but I'm 76 years old, and I've lived in this area for quite a long time. I built in Cambria, in Cambria, and when I bought my lot, I loved it. There were deers right in the flats down there. Mm. And, and then I saw it change and change and change and change. And I went, I started feeling guilty, and I realized... Oh my gosh! Actually, uh, it should have been a national park in the area where I lived. And uh, I, I don't think we're thinking too too right nowadays. I think we're interested in uh, people who say, "I want to move in the brownstones in New York." I think they ought to build a little beige stone for me that I can afford. Yeah. Uh, I think you're taking away. It took me, when I moved here, I was younger, and I, it took a lifetime of saving that money. My first house was $4,700. It was condemned. When I got through, I could afford to build a house in Cambria. It was a lifetime of work. Now, what is it you want? What is it we want for slow? Is it we want a lot of low incomes for people who work here? Or do we want to keep slow for people who dream to come here? And it keeps its initial look. Mm. Those are great questions. I mean, and they're, I think they're philosophical at nature. I mean, one of the things that I want as a, a father of, of adolescent children is um, I want my kids to have opportunities to stay near me. That's what I want. And I, I well, recognize. Have them work for it. Yeah, it's they're going simple. to have to. They're, if you want to be by daddy, do what daddy did. Yeah, the, it's don't come here on welfare or low income rentals. Yeah, I I understand what you're saying. I mean, and and this is one of the many reasons why it's such a complex issue. No matter you know, because you could you could isolate or attempt to isolate any one of these issues, and then the reality is is that there are many issues at play, and of course, not everybody sees them the same. That's the other really fascinating uh, well, thing about it. Well, I think it. we're beginning to see the people in the parks. The, the uh, listen, I left Stockton, California, for a better life, and when I came here, it was, but it's changing. I see Stockton, California, coming to slow and living here. Mm. Yes, the parks, the people walking the streets, the the way that homes aren't kept up like they were before. It, it's listen, young man. In twenty years, you're going to be older, and you're going to say, "I remember when slow looked like this." Yeah, I Believe already said that. Happen. <laughs> You're at an age that you think and and you want things different, but it's like as if uh, I don't know how to put it, but well, the whole United States is changing. It's evolving. We want to help people so much. We want to help them get to to heaven. 
even though they're going to hell. It's like we've lost common sense. If you want to work for it, don't change it, and don't make this uh, a working town like you're like a. You're going to bring in manufacturers, and you're going to bring in a lot of stores and stuff and worry about all the workers. Is this a working or retirement town? Make up your mind what you want. Move to uh, – you can just move to Santa Maria if you want to live in the area. So, Carol, my question is if if we adopt that that mentality of growth or lack thereof, do you then just push the problem on to the bigger cities? I mean, it's – there's still an issue where population grows and you have to figure out where to where people you know people have to you figure have out where to they're going to live. You have to make the decision. What is it you want? It's that simple. Do you want to enlarge this to the point that you can't recognize it anymore? It's so simple. You're going to live here. I'm 76. I'm not going to be here for so many years, mm-hmm. but I see it changing so rapidly. And for what? So what? 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 It's like let's go to Cannery Row in Morro Bay. I mean, in uh, uh, Monterey. Monterey. Um, let's build a lot of skyscrapers there, so so that even uh, the poor can live there. What, what is it? You want to go to a national park and do it? This country's at a at a, a junction point that they better start doing some thinking to keep what they have. There's lots of land to develop. Uh, I just sound like an old grumpy woman, but <laughs> believe me, when you're 76 and you're in the flow, you're going to be talking the same way. I don't doubt Have that. Have a good <laughs> evening, and thank you very much for your program. Right. Thanks I for the call, it. Carol. Thank you much. Your call. Um, I'm hopeful that there's a balance. I'm hopeful that there's a balance of being able to accommodate some growth yet maintaining the character of the town. Well, here's the thing. I mean, look around slow. I started thinking about this, you know, the other day. Just let let your mind go into this fantasy for a minute of like, say, okay, well, what if you just said we're, we're willing to be San Jose? You got to go through some pretty tremendous things here. I mean, the 101 is insufficient to serve a city of that size. It's the only route through here. Sure. If you want to get from Paso Robles to Santa Maria, you have no really no other choice. So you got a you got so much infrastructure that's needed, and then additionally, I mean, you can't build on these hills. Look at these hills; they're too steep. You know, it's it. We're we're already getting to the point around here where we're running out of land. Like, sure, there's some of the open space and ag lands, like that that valley in between Slow and Los Osos. Like, just build that pup neighborhood to neighborhood all the way from here to Osos to Morro Bay. Maybe it ends up like that one day anyway when the pressure gets so great to keep gobbling up land and building every inch of what you can. That probably does happen. In 60 years from now, I bet you that valley is all built out, whereas today you're kind of going to go, that's eh, impossible. You know, it's in the Williamson Act, this, that, and the other. You think about open space and how that's the the city, you know, the city and county have that as a top priority for us around here. I see eventually that that pressure becomes too great and flat usable land becomes such a commodity that it's greater use is just to be built. I see that all happening, you know, and oh, I can I can certainly appreciate that sentiment that Carol has of seeing the thing 
turn into something that maybe loses it what it originally appealed to you as um uh, i i i too i just kind of feel like to some degree that's life things change we're growing we're evolving sometimes for the better sometimes for the worse sprawling out in these ways and building up every square inch of what you can like san jose now i mean san jose does seem like it's a it's a concrete jungle up there huh i mean it's a lot built and there's a lot of business there yeah and the and thing pretty... that the problem and i agree i bet i can imagine san jose you know 30 40 years ago or Stockton, California. I mean, I've, I'm from Sacramento, so I'm familiar with Stockton and what used to be so much farmland. And now you see a lot of sprawling um, single-family home developments. And, and so it's changed a lot over the years, just the, you know, the years that I've been up there and familiar with that area. But I think, you know, I value the open space. And so with growth, whether it be in San Jose, Stockton, here... I'd rather see us not increase the footprint so much as just go up because then you still have the usable open space that people value. And I think with the more modern economy and the way we do business, you can take the pressure off of the you know 101 corridor and the different traffic to areas because people might not necessarily need to travel the distances to go to work. They can, you know, if you have the higher rise housing opportunities in San Luis Obispo where jobs are and are growing, mm. then they, they don't have to commute. They can ride a bike to work. They can walk to work. They can, you know, telecommute from home. I see a lot of that too. So that's, I mean, th I guess that's my vision. I was challenged to come up with a vision. That's my vision. Preserve the open space, grow up, you know, for, for need and, and the businesses that can survive here, that don't need to be in a big city to survive, you know, that they provide opportunities for people who don't need to necessarily drive to or work. Or maybe enough of the businesses will just have a kiosk where you order yourself and we don't even need those people to work anymore. <laughs> so that's coming too. Just an automated kiosk to there we do go. your business. We're getting forced out into the top of the hour break. We will be right back with more Mortgage Matters. This is 920 KVEC, San Luis Obispo, now an American General Media Station, and the home of Dave Congleton and Hometown Radio, weekdays at 3. AP Radio News. I'm Diane Kepley. A protest is planned at this hour in Chicago as police as people react to videos of a police shooting last month that killed an unarmed 18-year-old black man. Those videos show police firing repeatedly at a stolen car as it heads down the street away from them. Later, they show Paul O'Neill on the ground being handcuffed while he's bleeding from the back. O'Neill's sister reacted after seeing the videos. I know that when left our bodies right then and there, we was really hurt. It was disturbing, very disturbing. Not the way anything's supposed to be done. Three officers have been taken off police duty as they investigate what happened. Two female police officers in Belgium were attacked and wounded by a man wielding a machete and shouting Allahu Akbar outside a police station. That man has now died after being shot by police. 
Team USA strikes gold in Rio. The first gold medal of the Summer Games goes to American Virginia Thrasher for her win in the 10-meter air rifle event. Later today, the USA men's basketball team takes the court against China. DeAndre Jordan says the team is ready to win a third straight gold medal. we got a lot of guys who can play defense, and um, I feel like ultimately that's what's going to help us you know, propel and, and have a chance to win a gold medal is our ability to defend. There was some disappointment today. A 16-year-old American who was the youngest male ever to qualify for table tennis in Olympic history has lost in the first round of the games. Kanak Ja was beaten by an Iranian athlete. One person is still hospitalized after a railing collapse during a Snoop Dogg concert in New Jersey last night. More than three dozen people were hurt. As Donald Trump tries to shore up his campaign after several days of missteps, he's heading to New Hampshire later today for a campaign appearance. Last night, he announced his endorsement of Senator Kelly Ayotte of New Hampshire, as well as House Speaker Paul Ryan and Senator John McCain. This is AP Radio News. The NFL will induct a new class tonight into the Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio, led by former Green Bay quarterback Brett Favre. The three-time NFL MVP was such a slam dunk to be inducted in his first year of eligibility, his candidacy wasn't even discussed by the selection committee in February. Favre goes into the Hall after a 20-year career, mostly with Green Bay, that saw him retire as the NFL's all-time leading passer. Favre will be inducted along with Super Bowl-winning coach Tony Dungy and former 49ers owner Eddie DeBartolo Jr., who oversaw five Super Bowl winners. Rounding out the class of 2016 are Marvin Harrison, Kevin Green, Orlando Pace, the late Ken Stabler, and the late Dick Stanfell. I'm Jim Militello. An Ohio teenager has been found after being reported missing Thursday from a volunteer program at Wyoming's Grand Teton National Park. The National Park Service says the girl had cut and dyed her hair after her disappearance. And a mounted guide at Custer State Park in South Dakota put her horse between a charging bison and a family on horseback Friday. There were no serious injuries. I'm Diane Kepley, AP Radio. Hi, this is John Deere with Via Automotive. Oh, what a beautiful morning. And that's my son, Tomsey. A small check keeps the air clean, and that helps us enjoy a lot of beautiful mornings. So whether you're selling your car or have gotten a DMV notice saying it's time for a smog check, come to Via Automotive. We are a star-certified smog inspection station. That means we meet the Bureau of Automotive Repairs highest standards and are authorized to make repairs in order for you to pass smog. We'll do it fast, at a fair price, and handle all the paperwork so you can have more beautiful mornings every day. Look us up online at via-automotive.com or call 781-3925 and let our family take care of your family at Via Automotive and Auto Body. Nicely done, son. Hello, Kubo. What have you got planned for today? Come on, this way. Adventure can be found anywhere, but the best place to start is in the forest. It's the most powerful magic there is. Head outside to discover incredible animals. Wow. And beautiful plants that come together to create an unforgettable adventure. <laughs> so grab your loved ones and explore a world of possibilities. Visit discovertheforest.org to find the closest forest or park to you. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the U.S. Forest Service. 
If you were a member of the Sheriff's Advisory Foundation, you would be helping law enforcement agencies countywide. The Sheriff's Advisory Foundation has given almost $70,000 back to the community in the past two years in support of various programs, like the Community Emergency Response Team, canine fundraising for Royal Grande and Morro Bay, slow PD training, and a number of other community programs. To find out how you can support local law enforcement by joining the Sheriff's Advisory Foundation, log on to safslo.org. I'm a retired school psychologist, and helping people was my thing. After my stroke, when Meals on Meals started, I was on the other end of the stick, so to speak. My name is Julius Gaines, creative writer, poet, photographer. One in six seniors faces the threat of hunger, and millions more live in isolation. Drop off a hot meal and say a quick hello. Volunteer for Meals on Wheels by donating your lunch break at americaletsdolunch.org. This message brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. You'll work faster and smarter with the New Holland Super Boom Skid Steer Loaders from Coastal Tractor in Paso Robles. The long wheelbase provides outstanding stability, and you'll appreciate the wide, comfortable cab. Increased bucket breakout force and the ultimate dump height and reach mean you can easily load into the center of trucks. Improved visibility allows operators to work with a new level of confidence and speed. Now that's smart. See a New Holland 200 Series Skid Steer Loader today at Coastal Tractor in Paso Robles. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. Dan's watching the video. <laughs> is, I mean, all the new gadgetry here. In I know this, I can uh, I can play off stuff studio. that I couldn't play before yeah. now, and so we got Brad Paisley going the water video going here in the studio. It's pretty cool, fancy stuff here. Awesome uh, at the new AGM Studios. Yeah, see, there it is. I like it. We'll just keep it. Where are we on? Thirty seconds, but who cares right now? Hey, mm-hmm. didn't you uh, didn't you say we had a caller waiting patiently? We do. What's well, who is it? Who do we have? We have uh, Jay and Cambria. Caller number three, you're on. <laughs> Jay and Cambria, there you are. Hey, Jay. Hey, gentlemen. How's it going this morning? Good. Hey, as far as this whole, uh, you know, increase in uh, population and population pressure on our housing, yeah, not gonna be real, not gonna be real popular with certain groups. But how about how about we practice a little bit of birth control? <laughs> <laughs> maybe that maybe that would take a little pressure off our housing and California population in uh, general. I bet that would that would help out. Yeah. You guys might want to stay neutral on that one, I guess. <laughs> well, but, uh, yeah, that, that might be a concept. I don't know if we go as far as the China one kid policy, but you know, how about a couple, maybe? <laughs> yeah, just replace yourself, right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> hey, uh, another thing, I've been out of state for three years, and, and uh, coming back to Slow, I've noticed a tremendous increase in the homeless population in the area. Yeah. And I, my question is, are they still planning that? Uh, 
that Prado Road. Uh, yeah. Prado Road in Mecca for the homeless. Fundraising for it right now. I believe so. Yeah. Now, see, I think that's a huge mistake. I think that's a that's a that is a misappropriation of resources. I believe we should have smaller units from San Miguel to Santa Maria and spread them out. Otherwise, you think we got a, a homeless problem now? You wait till that thing's built. It's going to draw people from all over the country as soon as word spreads that they have a beautiful facility right here. Man, I'm, you I'm, are I'm just all, is this you know, this guy's I, I, controversial. I I'm not saying don't <laughs> don't help them. I'm just saying why do we have to build a huge mecca in the middle of San Luis? It's going to bring hundreds of people here, and they're all going to flock downtown and do what they do. Yeah. I guess you want to stay neutral on that one. You know? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to take the high road here too. But hey, oh, you got you, you guys are too politically correct. <laughs> I'm thrilled you listened. Thanks for All calling. Right. I'll let you off of both of those. All right. Appreciate Bye. it. Thanks, Jay. <laughs> Shush. Narrowly avoided. It's <laughs> got some college points, but yes. Yeah, <laughs> I'll Dan bite, I'll bite say, on right? the population one <laughs> to some degree. Oh, I was gonna... <laughs> okay. Were you going to go for the homeless one? Yeah. You're crazy. No way. Um, on In terms of that, um, I think there's a mentality shift that we should plan for and facilitate for in terms of trying to get people to be a little bit more um, multi-generational here. And I think it starts with, I'd love to see one of these cities like Slow um, say every single home in Slow, if you're a single family home, let's still, let's still have a lot coverage ratio. Like you can only build so much of your lot, like a footprint to cover so much. But how about everybody has a very streamlined process and ability to um, build a granny flat type of thing on their property for their kids, the teenage kids or student age kids. If you have no kids, you could rent it to a college student or somebody attempting to work Uh, Um, your parents when they need to, or want to move back in with you. I'm recalling a letter I saw in the tribune a few months back that that's just contributing to the unaffordability problem because nonsense having those granny units makes the home that much more valuable Nonsense. Which makes it that much harder for the home to be purchased and owned by the person making the average, the median income. Nonsense. That's just an opinion that's out there. If you had, if you had the ability to, could you imagine your parents living on your lot? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah, I can. Um, <laughs> Come it, on, Nimby. What do you think? It sounds. <laughs> it sounds like there would be some challenges with it. Okay. Yeah. I'll be the first to admit it. <laughs> However, also some pretty cool perks. Yeah. You got Your, an on-site babysitter, right? Yeah, on-site babysitter. <laughs> Your kids get to grow up with a close daily knowledge of, you know, the the matriarch patriarch of the family. Mm-hmm. Um, you'd have. There, there's, I think there, yeah, there's obviously it's not all a bowl of cherries. There's some good and some bad. And, you know, like I said, so fine. You don't want your mom to live with you. I get it. How about that college kid, though? 
to be able to have an affordable place above your garage that keeps him from needing to go rent a four-bedroom house with five friends from Cal Poly. So then you've got some kid playing music till two in the morning while your kids are trying to sleep. All right, listen, you and Carol, <laughs> you and Carol hey, go and this is you, a you guys go and start and debate. You go start installing the roadblocks and build the fence around slow. This is a forum for discussion. Keep those moms out. Yeah, I bet Jay will even come as long as you'll keep the homeless people out too. Probably. Oh boy, man. All right. Okay. So you you said you wanted to talk about this uh, the the Prado um, Center. Uh, there's two different types of homeless, in my opinion. There's three. Three. What are the three? I mean, these are broad generalizations. Yes. One segment of that population needs mental health services, and they're wildly underserved. And I do believe that. As a human race, a mature society that we've got an actual moral obligation obligation to help, to help sure. those people that need mental health services. Okay. Okay. There's people who choose to be homeless. Homeless by choice. And Absolutely. what's the third? What's the middle ground? Uh, the third is, I think, the the working In economic lower class person that experienced something, whether it be a medical emergency okay. that forced them into bankruptcy or some series of events. And by the way, when you get in and start studying these populations, you'll see that there's a large portion of the U.S. population is one missed paycheck away from being in serious jeopardy of finding themselves in that spot. And those people need a place to be they able to... a temporary situation to help them reestablish themselves. And just and to do yeah. their laundry and shower sure. to go to work again tomorrow. Because yeah. what happens is you lose your home and you still have your job, so now you start crashing in your car, but now your shirt's dirty and you start stinking and there's no place for them to mail your W-2. And it only takes so long before all of a sudden... You become part of that. You lose that job because things are getting complicated around your chaotic life, and now you're jobless and homeless, and you can't solve either one of those problems. Right. So those those people that I think just slip into that, and and truly, a lot of that is that those people end up they don't have the social network or the family to fall back on. For those of you that have family that would take you in if you were in that position where you lost your house, that's great. That's Some people don't have that. So I think those are the ones. You got the homeless by choice, people needing mental health, and then economic hardship. Economic hardship that life, there's been a series of circumstances in a row, mm. probably maybe even poor choices. Like there's probably a lot in that spectrum of how that person ended up sure. that way. But but they don't want to be there. They don't want. They would if if you were willing to help and there was a way to help them, they would accept the help and it would make a difference in their life. Yeah. And you know, depending on and and by the way, for the especially you're especially offending the people that work in that population and try to help those people to oversimplify it down to that point where, the, for the sake of conversation though, that's yeah yeah we're trying to yeah um and and by the way from what. My experience has been, and again, these part of my schooling at Cal Poly was working and studying how to work with these publics. And the, the reality of it is, is that um, some of those people even admit to that. <laughs> yeah, I'll come over by all means. I'll, I'll come take a shower and sleep in your clean bed. I really appreciate the hot meal you want to make me. 
I have no interest in being rehabilitated or figuring out how to get into your rat race. Those people are out there. And, you know, if I'm not mistaken, the idea behind this facility is to help the not the the homeless by choice, but the other categories of people. And, who are homeless. And, you know, however it is that you vet that and, and make that actually effective for that population, um, those people are doing good work, and I'm I'm not going to criticize it um, yeah. at all. That being said, I see things all the time. Like up in Atascadero, this is, so this is just going to be hearsay. I don't know enough about this, but I heard that Atascadero opened up a methadone clinic to help people um, – whatever your circumstances are, whether you're homeless or not, you're addicted to some kind of drug where you're at risk of losing your life. So then they open up a methadone clinic where you can go be administered methadone, which will kind of help keep you sufficiently drugged to where you wouldn't die. And word on the street up there is that that's increased that population of those people in our city quite a bit. And I don't know whether that's true by fact or not, but you know, that's you could get in a, a pretty contentious debate about that as well, you know. And for me, same kind of thing with a lot of those issues of, you know, I don't do that for a living. Um, I don't that's not part of my scope or my expertise. Um, and maybe even by choice. Those are very complicated things that I just don't think that I have the capacity to be involved with day in and day out thank god there are people that do um but i it's that's all really complicated stuff it's extremely complicated find about these other cities that buy their homeless a bus pass to san Luis. <laughs> right that's real stuff I know, man i know and then you hear about crazy things that San Luis does. At one point, I heard that those bathrooms in downtown Slow, they were trying to play classical music over the restrooms because the homeless people wouldn't want to stay in there if there was classical music. Like stuff like, is that real? That oh, yeah. That's crazy. I'm getting too far off the topic. Yeah. Dan, yeah. <laughs> there was a jobs report this week. <laughs> there sure was. What do you know about that? You know, I was so busy yesterday attending to business that I only heard the the headline, you know, this amazing, great jobs report. And then this morning I actually get to read about it. I don't understand. What Hang all on, the- don't stop. Okay. I heard that this jobs report was so good that even the naysayers had trouble finding even the slightest bad news about it. As you were. <laughs> Yeah, I was I just, contemplating that thought. <laughs> well, I'm thinking about the kid that, like, you know, had a good run in elementary school, getting A's and B's in class, and then in junior high started to started to not do so good. Started getting D's and F's, and then all of a sudden we're back to getting B's, and we're like celebrating it, like this is the best ever. It's like, hey, we still got room to improve here. You could be getting all A's. That's kind of what it felt like to me. We just we had a great run of 12 plus months of adding 200 jobs per month to our workforce. And um, then we fell off the last three or four months. And now we're back to, you know, two consecutive months of plus 200,000. 
I mean, what was it? It was plus 255? Yeah. That's good. I don't think this is the best jobs report ever. It's, it's pretty good. good. It's back in line with where we should be. It's good. I think it makes interesting the political discussions. Why? Because there's finger pointing about how terrible the economy is, and then the other side, it's like, what are you talking about? We're out of jobs. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, there's always, you can always spin it. There's always great spin nowadays. Well, it was a lot easier to spin on that month when we added 27,000 jobs. <laughs> right, or whatever yeah, it was. That was like, to... who wants four more years of this Obama thing? <laughs> right. And now it's like, we added, you know. 255,000 sure. jobs and 18,000 more in the previous month. Sure. The unemployment rate held steady, even though more people are participating. <laughs> Maybe we want four more years of this. Yeah. Luckily, I don't pay attention to that. <laughs> so you're you're accepting that it was a pretty good report, but I'm just wanting to see we're a... back to being ex- a good report. It's right. good. It's where we should be. Man. Tough audience But it's with not you. great. It's not amazing. It's not like we just solved... Employment overnight, that didn't happen. You know? What kind of jobs were added? Were they well, quality jobs? What did what did income look like over the over the same period? Oh, incomes were up 0.2% in June. Not very much. Yeah. You know what's up the most about this jobs report? Hmm. Stock market. Yeah. <laughs> That's stock market is pretty happy about the jobs report. So, yeah, but even last week, you were already telling me that, that we were back to the bad news is good news thing in the yeah. market. That we got good news was good news. I'm beginning to think any news is good news for the stock market. Just lack of opportunities, I think, is what's good. What else are you going to do with your money? I mean, yeah, there's still those 1% bonds. Yeah, or, or you can make a bet on a business that might do better than one percent per year. Bank of England had a monetary um, policy update this week. Did you read about that? Mm-mm. You remember England? They've been in the news. <laughs> I, re- I remember them. Yeah, they've been around for a while. <laughs> they've been in the news again. Good, you know, recently here, they delivered what was called an easing package, a rate cut. They cut their uh, rate by 25 basis points to a quarter percent. So the U.S. was, before we hiked that quarter in December, we were at zero to a quarter percent, and now we're at quarter to half percent. So England's at a quarter percent. They cut their rate. That's the first rate cut that they've had since 2009. So that economy is, I mean, they dragging behind us a little bit there's another place you could put your money if you want to do that yeah sure hey you hear about germany they're buying (laughs) i felt a little out of my league here when i saw this they're also doing um a purchase of corporate bonds 10 billion sterling in corporate bonds what's a what's sterling about just silver is that the same thing as pounds is that what is that what happens when you put a bunch of pounds together I, you know, I hear everyone talking about this jobs report saying, ah, you know, there's, there's no reason why the Fed shouldn't be raising rates now. These are amazing jobs reports. Well, look at England, cutting rates. Negative bonds in Germany. Yeah, negative bonds in Germany. Negative bonds in Japan, I believe. I mean, that's why. 
that's why the the Fed has zero pressure to raise interest rates at this time. We're sneaking nearer that inflation, though. Their yeah. desired two percent inflation. We're getting very close to that, and that's long been. I mean, what? Remember back when Bernanke was telling us that's what we should be looking for. And that's when rates would start to normalize, not go up. We can't we can't always keep calling this rates go up. It's rates normalize, right? Yeah. At some point, everybody wants these rates to normalize a little bit here. Uh, but, but when? 2%'s the target inflation rate. So if you're approaching the target... The idea of raising rates is that it helps ease inflation. Right. And so this isn't, you know, you don't want to ease you, inflation when you haven't even hit your target you yet. You sort of need to pass it. Yeah, And right? then you start to ease it by way of rate hikes. Yes. So I, I So still, your prediction is none this year? I, I think another December. Another December rate hike. Try to sneak like another one in yeah, for that fourth more. quarter. I think it's a good time to do it. Because no one's paying attention. I think our economy is healthy enough to handle uh, another quarter point rate hike. But I think with all the other um, pressure or lack of pressure from other countries that, you know, there's no reason to do multiple rate hikes this year. So I don't think that we will see that. I, th I think we'll start to see second quarter GDP was barely over right. 1%. Yeah. Can you, can, can you afford a rate hike this year with GDP being so um, miserable? You know, that's a whole nother discussion. And we were talking about GDP was, I think it was last week that when you look at it back Historically, what, for the since 50s. 1949. Yeah, I mean, GDP is has been getting smaller and smaller every year, in spite of different, um, you know, Republicans or Democrats being in office, oh, by yeah. different economic conditions. The trend is that GDP is shrinking each and every year. You and almost we we surmise that that is based on globalization. Even, yeah, you almost <laughs> couldn't even pick out the economic cycles that you know no. existed. By that's, way of looking at the GDP, it graph. seemed pretty apparent to me that that's just the globalization phenomenon. That we're not the manufacturer and producer seller of all things anymore. It's it's a more global economy, and so we're getting a smaller share of uh, of that anymore. And that's just kind of how it's well, going to go until been, we've exploited all cheap labor yeah, across I was the say, world. You know what's been happening <laughs> since 1949, right? Yeah. <laughs> All these different exploitable classes. Hey, those guys like, will work for so much less. <laughs> Let's and then make people start going, there. hey, that's not cool or fair. Agreed. So you <laughs> input, you but know. you keep buying uh, it. So <laughs> Whatever needs to happen there yeah. to clean up those circumstances, which basically moves the job somewhere else. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe we're just running out of those exploitable labor pools and GDP is just going to be something where flat should be good. <laughs> Jim go celebrating, jump. <laughs> celebrating likes... contracting GDP. Yeah, really switching computer screens to do that. You have an odd sense of humor, Jim. <laughs> well, I'm trying, to, you know, I'm trying to liven up the show. Here. It's live. Yeah, it's, it's livened to live. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm sitting here wondering: Is two percent growth really becoming the normal for our economy? And maybe that's maybe we are healthy as far as GDP numbers go because that's just the max that our economy is capable of producing anymore, given the globalization that's occurred and it continuing to occur. 
And so if that's the case, then yeah, I think our, our economy is certainly healthy enough to accommodate rate hikes, you know, slow and steady. But um, I, I, I'm in the camp of there being one this year. Um, you'll start to see, I think the September meeting is kind of late in the month and um, you'll start to see some, some, you know, contrasting opinions here. But I, I think ultimately you might just start to see the vote not unanimous. You, you might start to see some dissenters, but I, I think it's December before we see actual an actual rate hike. Mr. Kaplan, who's the president of the Fed Bank of Dallas, came on record earlier this week saying that he wants to see um, a healthy margin above 125,000 jobs created uh, before he'll err towards higher monetary policies. Well, we we did that. 125 isn't a very high bar. For a, a good long-running average. Okay. Uh, that, that, um, that's not even a good average. I'm, yeah. Anyway. No, that... I thought 125 was the number that kept up only with population growth. Well, we were at over 200,000 for at least 12 months in a row back until basically all of last year. And then winter came and it kind of slowed down. It wasn't even winter. It was more like spring that it slowed down. So interesting wage growth for 2016 is at a slower pace than wage growth for 2015 losing a little bit of steam in that <sighs> growing wage growth that's a yet fly another in the prediction sure. that i am just i am bad at predictions i predicted higher rates and here we are sitting about a full percentage point lower than last year yeah i predicted this to be the year of meaningful wage growth and we're not seeing that <sighs> boy yeah well, I think we need to regroup here. We need to we need to take a break. Come up with some more accurate <laughs> yeah. predictions. Break <laughs> yeah. time. It is time for a break. It's ten thirty. We've got another half hour with you. We've it's had just some great it's calls. An election year. <laughs> We've had calls from Bob in Santa Santa Maria. We had Carol in Slow. We've had uh, Jay in Santa Maria or no Cambria. Cambria. And, and yep. uh, we'd love to hear from you if you'd like to. Share a comment. Ask a question. Give us a call five four three eight eight three zero. We will be. 800-549-5832. That's working now, too. 800-549-5832. You get to see that bright red light yeah, flash into it. That got seems fine. new. Yeah, it is new. That is new. That just right. was put in last week. Yeah, so if you'd like to call, we're here. We've, we're here for another half hour. We'd love to hear from you, and we'll be right back with more Mortgage Matters. Mortgage Matters with host Dan and Jason will be right back. Join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. This is Jason Grody with Central Coast Lending. Our loans are not trucked in from some big bank. They're raised right here on the Central Coast. No hormones, no GMOs, no antibiotics. Call today and get your gluten-free mortgage from a caring lender that knows you only accept the best for your family. Just call Central Coast Lending. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 5- 
Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing opportunity real estate broker. California Bureau of Real Estate number 01839608. NMLS number 328358. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. If you missed any part of the show, log on to centralcoastlending.com for archived shows and more. Now, back to your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. recently heard this bed you what? did just when a snippet it, when i was queuing it by the way it reminded me of that old show about um name that tune uh-huh. where for this particular probably a lot of van halen songs i'm gonna say i could name that tune in four bars this oh. one i think you ran through two bars and i had yeah, yeah it's pretty much it's that's pretty synth, distinctive at the beginning yeah that synth it's pretty I don't Look know at the I size can... of that drum kit. I know Dan is like, but you guys are both of. Uh, we're all we're amazed that actually yeah. I can actually can oh, watch yeah. the video here in the studio. This is my this. song when I was uh, in that I would sing in my head as I was going down the <laughs> ski slopes as a kid. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say jumps off trail. <laughs> there it is. There Dude, it is. Here I don't is. know if you knew this. Oh yeah! Wow, I was a pretty big Van Halen fan growing yeah. up. Um, yeah. You know, and obviously, due to my age, I was more um, introduced to the band during the Van Hagar phase. Okay. And I actually had a funny story too. When I was in high school, my girlfriend was um, to be like the homecoming queen, uh-huh. and so I was supposed to go, obviously. But I had tickets to Van Halen. Oh, man. Really? She told me if I didn't go to Homecoming that we were going to break up. Hmm. It was the so best, went to Van Halen. It was the best concert. <laughs> <laughs> and we did. We broke up. There it is. Whoops. Well, you know, you got your choices here. And Van Halen was just... And you know, actually, that was when they were doing the um, the balance tour. Okay. I don't know if you remember Van Halen Balance. I'm sure you do. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've seen Van Halen twice in concert. One Me with too. David, yeah, one with David Lee Roth. At the fair? Um, <laughs> no, actually at the Staples Center. Oh, I did see him at the, yeah, I did see him once at the fair. And I saw him with uh, David Lee Roth at um, at the Staples Center. Oh, good times. Mm-hmm. I still love me some Van Halen. Yeah. And I can tell you do as well. Oh, um, if we take the other break, we'll uh, put another Van Halen bumper in somehow. We can do that. Yeah, well, well whatever we do that. We'll break for your, um, just for your bumper music. Yeah, so that, yeah. Put what you like in there. <laughs> what else is on the news clippings over there, Mr. Podesto? <sighs> Nothing good? Yeah. Really? Well, fine then. I can see you're going to be no help at all. Maybe we need that break right now, Jim. Dan doesn't even have anything to talk about. I got one for you. (laughs) I got one for you. The IRS increased the marriage penalty this week. Did you you see that? 
the marriage penalty. I knew you were going to say that. Did you know there was a marriage penalty? I don't know. What does that mean? Well, there are significant tax hit, hits that come with getting married. And these tax implications of marriage here have been coined the marriage penalty. So, for example, the 28% tax tax bracket kicks in at a 91,150 income if you're single but it kicks in at 151,000 um for married taxpayers so less than double right track that math it's 91,000 for a single person shouldn't it be 182 for a married couple sure it ain't hmm. 151,900 um in addition, single taxpayers start to lose 3% of itemized deductions when their gross income exceeds $258,250 in a year, whereas um, the married taxpayer lose itemized deductions um, when their gross income exceeds three hundred nine. Should be something over 500000 so here's the kicker, and this is how it ties in. I know you're you're here waiting to see how I'm going to get this tie this into our show, this real estate and economic show. Mm-hmm. Here it is. This is what the IRS did this week. They um, exacerbated the marriage penalty here by um, offering a very large reward for unmarried taxpayers who co-own a home. So if you own a home with somebody that you're not married to you get to double the mortgage and interest deduction available to the married taxpayer. Each person gets the full interest deduction? Man, now we're cooking with butter. That's it right there. Hmm. Well, the IRS is here attacking marriage, man, encouraging the millennials to cohabitate without legal recognized marriage this is a proposal or something that's no, actually... this is the real deal dude really yep hmm. um yeah maybe it's time to divorce your wife huh thinking about it <laughs> <laughs> thought about it for a variety of reasons melanie already just put done and texted it <laughs> Oh, she'd let me divorce her. She's a good girl. She'd let me divorce her. I could start paying like spousal support. I've been I've been trying to figure this out, dude. You're laughing, I know. But you know there's subsidies that you can get if you're on affordable care. Of this will shock you to know, but I get no subsidies whatsoever. But I'm pretty sure there's a way that we could structure a divorce where one or both of us could figure out how to get a subsidy out of it. Hmm. You know the other thing that would happen? What? We could, if we got a divorce, we could um, then like break up our income such that we'd be paying less taxes. And then we could own a house together and pay yet taxes, less taxes still. And then by way of like the spousal support and stuff, then I could get it to where she could qualify to buy, like, you know, something on her own, too. I mean, it's just there's a lot of reasons why um, I really am beginning to feel mathematically that our government doesn't want me to be married. It's basically like, hey, you're 
if you want to get married, go ahead. And the number one thing about that that we know today, it just means that you're not good at math. <laughs> we have been, the government has been trying so hard to have this marriage tax, um, the marriage penalty, as it's coined in the uh, the tax world. Hmm. Yeah, if you're a married couple and you bought a $2 million house, then you just get to write that off. But if you're an unmarried couple, you both get to write off um, in full your, you know, your up to the million dollars of indebtedness. So it has, it gets more skewed for the more affluent people, by the way. So it's like, as always the case, I think here in the U S the more money you have, the more you can afford the lawyers and tax attorneys and the clever loopholes and stuff. But that's the big thing. Interesting. You want to not be married if you're going to own a $2 million house here in the U S um, get yourself a better deal. I don't really understand much of that. Well, you're not a tax guy. No, I understand the math. I don't understand the intention. I don't either. Why do you financially incent people to cohabitate without being married? I mean, I don't have a problem with it. If you want to do that, hey, by all means, live away. Everybody's got their own life. The fact that I like I drank the Kool-Aid and did this whole the thing where, you know, I got married and I graduated college. I had a kid and I bought a house. I did all the things, right? I mean, I, I don't have the white picket fence, but I've been slowly walking out the American dream that now I feel like I've been indoctrinated with. If you're a polygamist and you have multiple wives, do you does every one of those people get to be able to have the full interest deduction? Well, you wouldn't be able to marry them, but if you all uh, co-own together, well, you could. Yeah, a modern polygamist. Are you thinking about like trying to advise people into some like weird tax shelter of having eight people co-own a house together? Yeah. No, I'm not going to advise anyone to do that, but I'm contemplating the idea <laughs> for myself. Bobby's like, well, <laughs> hey, look, I'm a I'm a guy of. Um, you know, I, I got I got morals that I hold myself accountable to. And oftentimes, I'm not kidding you, when I start slicing and dicing this thing up saying, looky there, our government structures these services and these things in a way, the tax schedules and these kind of things where they're financially incenting you to to not be married or something. Why am I foolishly, I mean... My life with my wife doesn't look any different because we got that marriage certificate. Hmm. I, we'd be married whether or not the court blessed it. So instead, because I chose to do that, I'm just paying more. That seems crazy. It seems weird that, I mean, I could see, are, I, yeah, I are, don't understand why each person gets the full deduction. You're right. There's a total interest deduction that's greater than the actual interest paid. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. I think there's a lot of stuff about the tax code that doesn't make sense. I agree. I agree. Do either one of these presidential candidates um, vow to abolish the IRS or all those guys out of this thing? Mm. Well, Donald Trump said something about it. but About getting rid of the IRS? Why? I've helped make him rich, I think. Yeah. <laughs> think so? Yeah. <laughs> I, th I thought it was that small loan of a million bucks his dad gave him. 
<laughs> Why are you laughing? Hey, he's That's... sacrificed. Oh, yeah. Boy. If somebody loaned me a million bucks straight out of college, I wonder, would I have been able to make it into greatness or would I have like Life would be different. It? You think so? I think so. It was a pretty tumultuous economy. If you were given a million bucks, you probably would have, you probably would have made out. You're like the smartest financial person I know. I probably would have blew it. I don't think I'd have made it into billions like he did. Supposedly. Yeah, but the Trump, uh, isn't the Taj Mahal closing? Well, dude, he got a million. When, <laughs> when did like, he get his million dollar loan? Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, 40, 50 years ago? Well, what? 60, he's 70 now, he's 70. right? So he probably got it when he was like 25. I mean, a million dollars back then 45 years was ago. a whole lot different than a million dollars today. Yeah, but you still, you still got to be smart with it, though. Sure. You're still going to have to have some business Agreed. acumen to be able to pull Agreed. that off. But what the, I mean, that's like getting a $20 million loan today. Sure. Oh, God, <laughs> yes. 45 years ago? Yeah. I don't know the date. I mean, who knows? That's pretty wild. Tell me we we riled somebody up now by, <laughs> by talking I don't know about, if we riled them up. But you got, about the presidential candidates. Uh, but you got Dave and Los Osos on the phone. Man, we are reaching morning, all over the county. Are, hey, yeah. good morning. Good, good morning. Good morning. I have a question for you. I'm going to have to take it off the air, but um, I'd like to hear you guys talk a little bit about just uh, the local real estate market and the fact that it, you know, may be reaching a peak and there may be some correction at some point. Just kind of like to hear your thoughts on. I know it's a you don't have a crystal ball, but your sure your thoughts on um, you know where the market is and if there's a in your opinion, or any statistics indicating a uh, small correction, big correction, and then if time allows, maybe comment on uh, you know state or nation uh, kind of real estate too. Okay, cool, thanks. But, Appreciate the call, Dave. Yeah, we. Uh, it's only fitting that we end the show where we started, and uh, I I do want to remind you. I think we mentioned it last week on the show that if you go to centralcoastlending.com, we just put up the second quarter um, real estate update. A lot of statistics for those of you who like numbers. I know I do. Um, it talks about pricing trends throughout the county. We've got the county broken up into different regions and cities, and you can check it all out. It's a lot of information for you on the website. Go to the blog portion of our website, and you'll see, I think it's six different posts um, that have statistics for different areas of the county and, and northern Santa Barbara County, for that matter. Um, so the trend in prices here locally is that it's obviously it's going up. Um, I think... Different cities are performing differently. In fact, Dave calling from Los Osos, that Los Osos surprisingly had one of the largest increases in median home price um, so far in the first six months of the year compared to the same period last year. It was up 20% in Los Osos. Quite amazing. Um, but I think countywide, it was something more like, I want to say it was range between 5 and 10%. Yeah, you, know, you get different numbers depending on the sources, but five to ten percent growth year over year um, for the county. You know, what does that mean for values and and the future of values? Are we poised for a bubble? Poised for a correction? Um, I I'm still in the camp that that I think the biggest the biggest factor that's going to hold down appreciation going forward is affordability, but I don't see the big correction. 
I see, I see us hitting a ceiling of what people can afford, um, because incomes aren't, aren't rising at 10% a year, like home prices are. So at some point you're going to reach this, this equilibrium of what people can afford and, and how high prices can go. And it, they just can't go any higher without demand falling off because people just simply can't qualify. Well, for I think that's the case. Like that. I think that's the case nationally. I yeah. think we're already pressing that point. Yeah, we are. And, and I think lot that's of, why you're seeing the appreciation figures start to. And there's obviously a lot back. of places here nationally where, you know, that that's just it. You, you don't have. You don't have the same kind of um, draw that you have here, right? And, and just keeping it local. I love reminding people that we live where people vacation. Mm-hmm. Every Sunday, our freeways are filled with people going, man, that was a great weekend in Slow County. And if I could ever figure out how to live there, I would love to. So what does that result in? Man, how many people because they're all over the place, sell their home or homes, their other properties somewhere else. That's a really common tale. We hear of somebody sold, they're hitting that point, that kind of retirement age. They sold two houses in LA and they're making a fat down payment on a nice house here in slow. Um, That's a common thing. So you have so much more of a draw here that when you when you start to make that parallel to the affordability index getting out of whack, I, I don't know that that probably ever really becomes an issue here in Slow, um, and probably Slow County for that reason. Um, there's just too many people that are capable of making sufficient down payments to be able to live where people vacation. I mean, yeah. that's a, that's a big part of it here. Yeah, I still think there's a point though. Because not all of the homes being purchased are by people coming from out of area. There's there's homes obviously being purchased by people who live here, who are renters trying to buy or move up buyers and things like that. So there's, at some point, I think there is some kind of price cap because of lack of wage growth. Yeah, but when you were a but kid, though. But I don't though... see the pressure to sell. I don't see the motivation and pressure to sell that would cause a decline in value, you know, people selling below market or, you know, starting to do crazy price cuts. I don't see well, that with pressure. It, with inflation, though, is where I think these things come to be, where, you know, 30 years ago, $100,000 a year made you rich. Right. Whereas today you make $100,000 a year and you're probably like renting in a lot of the parts of California. Yeah. So, what? yeah, these homes might be a million and a half 30 years from now, but the average... Wage to be able to buy them is going to be $250,000 a year, which by then, I mean, minimum wage will probably be $42 an hour. Yeah. But and, I mean, you're talking long-term trends versus short-term. Yeah. So, yeah. I, and I think everyone would agree. I mean, but housing's been a great But where do you take long-term. that snapshot? We have another caller on the line. We've got Craig in Atascadero. Hi. Hi, Craig. Hey, I just wanted to throw one thing on that last question that guy asked. One thing I think a lot of people aren't really thinking about is with the closure of Diablo and PG&E now, a lot of money is going to be sucked out of the county that was there before for firefighting police and on and on and on. Sure. A lot of people buying vehicles and all this kind of stuff. A lot of these big high-paying jobs are going to be leaving here in the next few years. So what do you think is going – do you think that will adversely affect property values here once that takes effect? 
I don't. I I don't either. I. <laughs> I, I mean, don't I, at I all. think I think there are going to be some. Like like the schools, the schools that rely on a lot of the tax revenue and stuff well, like that. Look, that'll that'll be that'll hurt. But look I don't at what see it affecting values down in San Onofre when that plant closed overnight. Basically, everybody lost their job. Big shock, but also a much more diverse job economy. A lot more uh, opportunities for people to replace those jobs, replace that income. Probably didn't have to sell their house and move away. But here, you got this whole other thing going on where. Um, these people have a 10 year, you know, type of plan and they, there's plenty of time here to be able to figure it out, um, and figure out whether you're going to be able to stay. A lot of these people are just going to be retiring anyway, retirement packages put into place and other people just figuring out how to sort of land softly because there's such a head start to this. Not to mention, I don't know what the packages look like, but I've heard now that PG&E has been paying retention bonuses to the people um, now to be able to stay. So they're already seeing some of the, you know, I just think by the end when this whole thing finally actually closes, what we'll realize is that um, I don't really believe it's going to move the needle very much at all. And okay. there's a lot of the you can you can go down that emotional road of like the doom and gloom and what it's going to mean. Like San Luis Coastal, you know, they get a lot of funding from Diablo. There's a lot of different things in the county. Diablo has been wildly philanthropic for our county for a long time. There's no question yeah, yeah. about that. Um, and you know, uh, but really let's zoom out and talk about all of the other economies that exist in a healthy fashion up and down the coast of the United States, California, um, that don't base that economy off of a nuke power plant. And so we're just going to become the norm of having an economy where that's not part of what it normally has within its employment base. And for that reason, you know, I maybe there's going to be a point where, you know, there's extra listings this week because five people from Diablo hit the panic button and want to sell their house on year four instead of year nine. Maybe you'll see some things like that, but I don't think it's going to be enough really to move the the needle very much. OK, well, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you for the call, Craig. Um, the other thing I want to say about that, too, is how, how much are we like? I've, I used to say this in terms of how mortgage banks came up with new programs and created new affordability and do all these things. Never, ever get caught in the dangerous place of underestimating self-preservation. Hmm. Individuals, cities, counties, states, countries, you know. I got a question Dirty for dancing. You. Nobody puts baby in a corner. You. When you find yourself in a spot where it's now wow. fight or flight, guess what? Yeah, we fight. That's human nature, and I I really think that yeah, this Diablo thing. There's some people that are laying awake at night tonight, a little bit freaked out. I mean, if you're a nuclear engineer, yeah. there aren't a lot of other employment opportunities for you out there, and. You know, you might have, with the average income of Diablo being $160,000 a year, you probably got like a stay-at-home spouse and some kids, and there's a lot that rides on that job. And it probably, for many people, feels incredibly claustrophobic and confining and terrifying that they're losing that. Yeah. And to all those people, I just want to tell you, um, it's going to be okay.
It like always that. is. It always works out. We're going to be okay. San Luis is going to be okay. The school districts that lose uh, that funding, they're going to be okay. We're all going to be okay. <laughs> I got a question for you. Carol, uh, yeah, hey, we're going to be okay. got to jump in there, Jim. Jim, Jim we're going to be okay. Uh, anyway, so I got a question for you. Do you think that uh, we're pretty much going to be like Santa Barbara County in a lot of ways? Yes, I The do. economy, because like uh, they got a university... We got a university. They have a prison. We they have built prison. right up to the hillside. They've got quests to call it. They They've have got horribly unaffordable homes. Yeah. We're going to have horribly unaffordable the only, homes. The yeah, only, I do. The only thing that they may have is a little bit different is Montecito. Montecito's maybe a little bit more upper class than what we have some places. Eh, we've got know. places. I mean, so. why? Because Oprah lives there? Yeah, I don't know. But what did I hear this week? Who's moving yeah. to Paso? That's internet lore dude that's come on that's <laughs> factual Who's who was it Paso? i haven't heard i don't know oh i think johnny depp and johnny depp Brad is Pitt. moving to no, paso robles this is your oh. harrison ford bought a house in Pismo Beach. you found you it on that? the internet so it's true right yeah. of course <laughs> so. i think so this concern over a bubble we started the show we're ending the show with this in order to have big price declines that would define a bubble you have to have Sellers who are motivated to sell their homes well below market price. Massive shift in the perceived value of real estate. I don't see that motivation or perception changing here. What led, what was a primary cause of the, the bubble in 2006, 7, 8 was the, the prospect or the actual occurrence of people's mortgage payments changing, going they, up rapidly they and bought on overnight. false affordability yes with a loan that had some kind of feature that could hamstring them with a much higher payment today and, and no skin in the game no down payment today you're making a down payment you have a fixed rate loan so it can never go up and you've proven you can afford it with your tax returns pay stubs and w-2s not to mention your mortgage is less than what your rent would be if you went and tried to find a rental house today so i don't see the motivation for sellers to sell homes at discounts. I don't see it. A tsunami. I mean, short of a natural disaster or something crazy like that, some act of God, I don't I don't see the motivation. Yeah. I, I can see a plateau based on affordability. I can see that. Well, and I could yeah, I could totally see stagnant home values yeah. at some point but just that's hitting a stall. That's normal. You look at the I'm almost ready for that, by yeah, the way. You look at the past housing price trends and there's always these plateaus or even slight dips that's normal and that i can i can see happening i don't see the bubble dan my co-host as always it's been amazing thank you again for another two show. hours this is a good amazing calls yeah Five thanks calls. to bob carol jay dave and craig we appreciate you participating you're not going to be here next week i'm heading i'm out camping i'm heading up to the tahoe area i won't even be connected to the internet or cell service we'll miss you but yeah. we'll be here um i don't I'm know detoxing. who will be on the show with me here but i imagine i'll speak the majority of the time then too <laughs> probably yeah um and hey we'll have more stuff to talk about there's more things happening in, in the economy this week so guys thanks a bunch for being with us say thanks again for all the callers that make the show a little bit faster pace and more fun for us if you want us this week call us at 543 loan or find us on the web at centralcoastlending.com we'd love to help you buy or refinance or consolidate debt or whatever 543 loan.